Hello, welcome to the Zachariah Show. In this episode, I'll be talking about the importance of film for society. Film is one of my favorite art forms, and one of the reasons why I enjoy it so much is its importance for society. Award-winning American film critic Roger Ebert once said, Movies are machines that generate empathy, since they can give us a different perspective that we're not used to experiencing. Films can help put viewers in the shoes of different types of people from all over the world and introduce us to new ideas. A good example of this is the movie Boys in the Hood, directed by John Singleton and starring Cuba Gooding Jr. It gave people from all over the world a glimpse of how it was like to be a black American in a crime-ridden neighborhood, and it left audiences with ideas about how to solve the many issues that were addressed in that film. This is very important for society, since without expressive art forms such as film, we would be very much stuck in our, to our own experiences and not gain any knowledge of other ideas and points of view. By having access to these ideas and points of view, even in fictional form, it can help give society many amazing ideas and that can improve the lives of the audience. I had a teacher in high school who was inspired by Robin Williams' character from Dead Poets Society to become a teacher, and he would have the same attitude that that um, that he had that, that Robin Williams had, you know, Robin Williams' character to be more accurate when he came to teach in his classes. Another good example of how films introduced us to other cultures is the success of South Korean films such as Old Boy and Parasite which managed to cross over to Western audiences and introduce many film lovers to South Korean cinema, and that resulted in the two of them being exposed to the cultural ideas that were present in those films. Another way films are important for society is that it introduces audiences to history. Movies based on real events can generate an interest in learning about the story of the event that it is adapting from, Many people who are introduced to historical events through film would go look up information to see what happened in the new film was either what really happened or was added in just to help out the story. This happened to me once when I watched The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, which is my favorite movie, by the way. And that movie took place during the Civil War. And after watching it, I went to go look up the Civil War and learned a lot about it. Even when I got the Blu-ray, it had a bonus feature we could watch a mini-documentary about the final battles of the Civil War, and it actually uh, like shows you in detail about how the Confederates ended up losing the war, and how and, and even like went into the their military strategies and how and how like these were the flaws that led them to lose the battle. Like it was it was very awesome, you know, by by having these movies out there and achieving success, many people just learn so much about historical events that they would have been disinterested in if it wasn't for those films. Film adaptations of other sources of media are also important for society, since they can introduce a new art form to the mainstream. For example, comic book movies are extremely popular now. Before the 2000s, comic book movies were rare. Comic books back then were generally seen as goofy and mainly for kids, so Hollywood wasn't keen on having them adapted to film. 
However, there were exceptions, such as Richard Donner's Superman, which was released in 1978, and Tim Burton's Batman, which came out in 1989. These were hits with critics and audiences. The Batman movie ended up having an amazing marketing campaign that seemed to be inspired by the marketing from Star Wars. There was a ton of action figures, coffee mugs, clothes, and other accessories that were made to promote the movie. And that all turned out to be to be successful, leading to Batman being the number one movie of 1989, beating out Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade and Lethal Weapon 2. Although not technically a superhero movie, Dick Tracy, which was released in 1990, was also based on a successful comic of the same name, and they found a ton of success, despite getting mediocre reviews. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles also became the highest-grossing independent film of the year in 1990, but most audiences were unaware of the comic it was based on, and were more familiar with the television series. However, other than kind of those films, superhero movies typically did not find success. Examples of just superhero movies that were just not successful critically and financially were Howard the Duck, The Punisher, the 1989 one, not the 2000 one, Captain America, the 1991, and Steel. Plus, the sequels for the Superman and Batman movies did not live up to the hype of the first two movies in the series. However, from the mid-90s to early mid-2000s, superhero movies like The Mask, The Crow, Blade, X-Men, Spider-Man, and Batman Begins came out, and they were critical and financial hits, which led to comic book movies starting to become popular. Then in 2008, Iron Man was released, which kicked off the MCU, and the rest was history. The success of those films led comic books to gain a reputation as an art form that produces quality storytelling rather than childish entertainment in the view of the masses, of course, since comic book movies were gaining attention for their brilliant writing from people within the comic book community before these, film, these films. Cinema adaptations have not only promoted the success of comic books, but also novels. A good example would be the book Forrest Gump, written by Winston Groom, which when it first came out, it sold 10,000 copies. But when the movie was released, the book sales went up to over a million dollars, introducing many audiences to an underrated book that barely anyone would ever have known or cared about if it wasn't for that film adaptation. Another way that film is important to society is that it inspired so many cultural movements. Uh, during the 30s in America, not a lot of people were spending money to watch movies because of the Great Depression. So Hollywood decided to create movies depicting violent and naughty content so that curious audience members would attend them. The content in these films were quite tame by our standards, but back then it created such a big fuss with both the Catholic and Presbyterian churches and various organizations wanting to clean up the content and censor it all. This led to Hollywood to create a guideline to help self-regulate the content in films, which led to what is commonly known as the Hayes Code. And it's called that because it was written by a Presbyterian elder named William H. Hayes. This code included rules such as no swearing, no graphic violence, men and women couldn't sleep in the same bed, the bad guys should always lose, and that you couldn't show childbirth as well. 
this led to a lot of films that were very neat and tidy and generally didn't show content that was seen to be harmful to society. However, despite uh, success, it ended up leading to society to rebel against the code, and many people began to financially support foreign films, which didn't have to abide by that code. By the time the Sitsis came around, even American filmmakers started to rebel against the code. Most notably, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, which was made just to spite the censors. And the, the big reason why that movie was in black and white, when most films were transitioning to color, was that, the shower, was that he could get away with showing the shower scene, since if, if it was in color, it would have been deemed to be too gruesome to show in movie theaters. Eventually, Hollywood just said to heck with it and dropped the Hays Code, and it was replaced by the rating by ratings such as G, PG, and R. And this led to filmmakers to create their own rebellious films that reflected the rebellious nature of the 60s youth, such as Easy Rider, The Graduate, and Bonnie and Clyde. You know, this gave films a more youthful energy to them, since younger audiences now had films that were geared to their own aesthetics and preferences. Now, we have to remember, until the 60s, films were very formal, with characters wearing very fancy clothes and speaking in a very formal manner, so being able to see films that didn't have those qualities was a rarity. And this ended up leading to a cultural movement known as the New Hollywood Era, which lasted from the 70s to the mid-80s, where directors could do as they wish with their art, and a lot of iconic films were made, such as Jaws, Annie Hall, Star Wars, Rocky, 2001 Space Odyssey, The Godfather, Carrie, Taxi Driver, and I could just go on. Not only mainstream Oscar-winning movies were gaining success, the independent scene was also thriving, with exploitation films gaining traction to mainstream audiences. Horror films like The Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Halloween became successes, and black exploitation films, which were exploitation films geared to a black audience, were also gaining popularity, with films in a Shaft and Sweet Sweetback's Badass On, where black Americans finally had films that betrayed their culture. This era is looked back upon as Hollywood at its peak, where creativity was in the air and film became a highly respected medium in the eyes of society. This period of amazing creativity inspired a lot of filmmakers, most notably Quentin Tarantino, who grew up in this era and was heavily influenced by a lot of these movies. He would direct his own movies in, the, in that same new Hollywood style, and he would put references to lesser-known films from that era in his own movies. He is now inspiring a whole new generation of filmmakers who just want to make their own wild, crazy, and creative stories, just like the ones he told. Who knows? Maybe one day we'll have our own 70s again. That concludes my episode. I hope you all enjoyed it and learned a lot. Have a great day.